Hello, my name is Adam Eason. Welcome to episode 21 of Hypnosis Weekly. Yes indeed, hello hypnosis friends, a warm welcome to Hypnosis Weekly. Once again, in my own highly biased opinion, I think I have a graceful, swan-like show lined up for you today. The podcast is 21 episodes today. 21 today, we have the key to the door, we've never been 21 before. In a short while, I'll be sharing with you an interview with the hypnotherapist, mentalist, founder of The Swan, Mr. Bob Burns. Then I'll be looking at the hypnosis in the news stories, examining the media where hypnosis is featured. I'm going to offer up some personal subjective commentary on the ways hypnosis is portrayed in the media, but also comment on some of the content of the media stories. We then return with our professional discussion with my guest Bob Burns this week. I shall be exploring his recent pioneering approach uh, used in his therapy rooms that is known as the Swan. We'll round things off with this week's hypnosis factoid before I bid you farewell for another week. We'll also have a new nugget thrown in at today's show that I'll talk to you about later on. This podcast is something that I want to encompass a feeling of embracing diversity, celebrating the field of hypnosis, and encouraging friendly, professional, enjoyable discussion and debate, as well as doing its best to inform and educate. I do not share the same stance as most of our guests and at times have major differences in approach, uh, but all are incredibly lovely people who I'd happily talk with until late in the pub and all of whom, following their time here on Hypnosis Weekly, I have great respect for. If you have questions, queries, thoughts or feedback, do get in touch via the Hypnosis Weekly website. All the references made in the discussions, along with related links, are posted at each episode on the website www.hypnosis-weekly.com. That's hypnosisweekly with a hyphen in the middle.com. You can add your thoughts, comments, make any suggestions there too. Please do share this podcast on Facebook, Twitter, anywhere else and help us reach more of the hypnosis community. It's greatly appreciated. So, first of all today is this week's interview. I'm delighted to be welcoming Mr. Bob Burns. I had a man on my diploma course a couple of years ago, a man who is a great friend of mine today, who used to keep telling me about this fellow Scotsman, hypnotherapist who got these wonderful results and had created these fascinating therapeutic strategy. This man he was referring to was Mr. Bob Burns. I would metaphorically rub shoulders with Bob in forums, online, and he'd offer up his very ready wit in the heat of some most furious online debates. He receives a lot of respect in forums due to him giving so much of his knowledge and experience uh, readily. And when one of you regular listeners suggested I get him on the show, I went about it with some trepidation and excitement as a result. At the end of the recording, Bob told me he'd been wearing a gorilla costume for the second half of it. Though when I told him in the, in the lead up to it that we were recording in audio only as it was a podcast and that meant that we could wear our pants only during the recording session, he informed me that as a true Scotsman he'd be wearing his kilt only. 
Get comfy, my friends, turn up the volume, sip on your tea, enjoy this week's interview. So, as I've been discussing, I'm delighted to have with me the one and only Mr. Bob Burns. Welcome to Hypnosis Weekly, Bob. Hey, Adam, how are you? Very good, thank you. And I'm all the better for having you here. Um, Bob, you know, before we're going to talk later on about um, um, your your pioneering approach. A lot of people are get, uh, really excited about the Swan, and we're going to really get into that later on. And it's, I think, it's going to be really useful for our listeners to to get to know a little bit about you. Um, for those that have not encountered you, for example, so perhaps to start us off, you could tell us a bit about your background. Um, you know, how did how did you get into this field? What is your background? How, how have you arrived at where you are now? Yeah, sure. Um, I think I hypnotised my first person. Uh, my friends told me it was 1973. I can't even remember. Yeah. I was a, I was a singer in a band, and we were playing in a gig at the Queen's Hotel in Aberdeen. And the drummer, his name was Ray Charleston, he spoke to this uh, this. Uh, I remember it's funny. I remember her name was Liz, mm. and she was uh, an assistant manager. And she told her, uh, you know, that I was uh, I was an hypnotist. I was from down south, and the down the end of his eyes. And there's that, that old thing, Adam, you know, that a wise man is someone more than 50 miles away from home. <laughs> so, uh, if she knew I came from down the road, it wouldn't have happened. But, so I just looked at it and I did what I'd seen in movies and that. And I said, uh, yeah, look into my eyes, do look into my eyes and just feel yourself going deeper and deeper and deeper and just sleep for me now. I snapped my fingers and I, I remember catching her head just before it hit the carpet. And it scared the hell out of the band. But what they never realized was it really terrified the hell out of me. Um, so they had this uh, convincer that I was obviously a hypnotist and I never even told them. What a coincidence for the drummer to, 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 to think of that that day, you know. But I found the whole thing quite uh, terrifying and to be honest it did uh, kind of jolt me a little bit mm-hmm. to leave it for a couple of years, you know. Yeah. Uh, really that's it, that's, that's, that's what got me involved. But then I went back, read a couple of books, did a couple of inductions and then of course I discovered I was hooked in it like everyone else. Yeah. Yeah, and and I mean, so you know, nineteen seventy three is um, forty one years ago. That's a lot of experience and a lot of years of tinkering and practicing yeah. and working with clients and doing performance. You know, a, a wide range of stuff that you cover. Um, um, in that time, um, 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 you know, what have you what have you decided with regards to hypnosis in terms of you know what 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 is it? Do you do you define hypnosis a particular way, and if so, how did you arrive at that definition? And um, you know, do, do you explain it to clients, or if you've been cornered um, in the kitchen at a dinner party or something, you know, how do you explain it to them if they ask you about it? Well, I'm often cornered in the in, in the in the kitchen. It's a, it's a bizarre <laughs> thing. It's like a, you're like a psychic guy. If I'm being honest, Adam, I actually don't know exactly what hypnosis is. There you go. If I can get that out there, it just mm. takes a lot of time in the wilderness. And sometimes I find the discussion on this question just a tad vexatious even. Sure. <laughs> Certainly sure. after being involved in these discussions over you know, many years and thousands of hours, and just when you think you've nailed it, some carpetbagger you know, arrives. <laughs> There's a different slant on it. They've read yeah. a couple of books, they've, they've got some text, which of course is very often something they cobble together based on what they read, like I said, in some book or what have you. But solely based on my experience, it can be or seem to be Many things, tons of things. So mm. when somebody comes to me or I read a book and it says it's this, normally I, I think, well, that's true. It, it can be. 
it can be. But, you know, for example, they say hypnosis has nothing to do with sleep. And although I agree with that, I've had subjects and indeed regular, kind of like family members, that just go bang, nothing else. Yeah. Indeed, many stage hypnotists call them sleepers, don't they? You know, you wake them up in an hour, they have no memory. They even use them to look good at the, at the side of the line. Uh, they say you, you can't be hypnotized against your will, but I've hypnotized people against their will and happily accept it when other hypnotists tell me that they have also, because that's simply been my, my findings. Mm. Indeed, I know of many subjects where it's, it's difficult for them not to go into hypnosis. I tell you, I just told my wife today, I had a guy who came to see me for my 10 o'clock to stop smoking, and I did magnetic fingers with him. Mm. And he went into hypnosis, and I couldn't get his hands apart. And, it was, and I started giggling. It was it's outrageous. <laughs> Bad therapist. Slap, slap. You know, and then I did the swarm with him, and it became worse. It was the best swarm I've ever seen. His hand turned, and he just went bang. So yeah. I couldn't even stop him from. So it's difficult to define. I've, I've even, you know, I've, I've, I've very easily accessed extremely private information from some people who are told, you know, the, the, you, you know, you're always in control. Of course, it's just not true. For some it is, but, but for some it's, it's not the case. And I've witnessed other hypnotists doing exactly the same, you know. Mm. Uh, there's even a thing on YouTube of me somewhere. God bless Anthony Jack when he put it up some years ago. I did a thing, it was BBC South Day or something like that. So if you go and you read Bob Burns' does mind reading on the radio, you know, you'll, you, you'd, you'd hear someone reading someone's mind. But the guy has no idea that he's already met me. He knows me fairly well. He thought he just met me an hour ago. And I read his, you know, I, he told me the story the day before and I gave him amnesia. So, you know, some say there is no trance state. But I'm convinced I've witnessed trance state many times. Although, yes, there doesn't need to be with some subjects. Granted, I, I, I agree with that. But across the board, on the whole, <laughs> in general, I'd have to say that if pushed to give a definition, I think I'd probably be, uh, I think I'd probably be comfortable saying that although hypnosis can have many forms, for me it's always been a kind of a, it's, I guess it's the way I was trained as well, programmed if you like, but for me I'm comfortable with uh, it being a state of relaxed awareness, you know, which allows the person to mm. focus internally in order for them to uh, learn things or evaluate differently. So it's a state that allows the subconscious, for me, to be easier accessed, mm. giving them the ability to, to automatically react to outside influences, I guess. And lots of people, that would be the same for them. Now, that influence can be a mere suggestion, of course, but without the conscious needing to be involved. That's the difference for me. Yeah. Without the conscious needing to be involved. So now it begins to change. No conscious involvement. Mm. So it's important, I feel, to say that also important to say that we do hypnosis because it's important for people to know that it's both a state, for me it is a state, and a process. Mm. You know, James Braid would have termed, he would have, he would have talked about focused attention, yeah? And we call this the trance state. But for me, the reason why I, I don't get involved in too many discussions over that pretty loose definition I've just given, <laughs> although it might be 100% accurate, who knows? But it's because I'm not interested in the philosophical arguments of hypnosis or trance I simply want to step in and communicate with the subconscious mm. or bits within the subconscious. Mm. Uh, that's it, in a, in a scattered nutshell. Mm. Well, <laughs> I, I really appreciate the fact that, um, that, 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 that you did engage with that question, you know, um, because I, 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 know, I know it can create, um, um, you know, polarity with regards to, to you know, polar opposites and, and all kinds of different um, um, reactions and responses to it. Um, um, so tell me then, um, Bob, tell us about some of your influences in this field, you know, um, um, who has influenced you and the way you work and the way you do things? Um, um, are there any books, authors or teachers that have taught you the most and been influential upon you? And if so, could you give us a little a bit of an idea as to why? 
Well, you know, if I'm, again, if I'm, being, uh, if I'm being absolutely candid, uh, I am truly, simply influenced all the time. And if I, if I might say, I, I get a, a lot of my influences from newbies to this art. Uh, mm. I mean, the great thing about new blood is that unlike many of the older guys, guess what? They don't bring any bad habits into the workshop. Yeah. It's fantastic. Or they're not they entrenched in some dogma. Up. Yeah. So they simply arrive with shiny eyes and bushy tails, and they're up for anything. There's a guy in uh, Belgium said to me once, I was doing this one thing, and he said to me, so there's maybe about 20 people around me, I'm doing this thing, and it, it wasn't working. <laughs> it was <a> <laughs> I said, let me ask you a question. Do you try the other hand if the first one fails? And I thought, what a stupid question. Why would I, <laughs> why would I do it? How dare you? I've, I've, traveled, I've, I've flown in. I am that wise man 50 miles away from <laughs> And I said, well, why would I do that? And he said, because I do. And I says, does it work? He says, yeah. I said, well, let's try it. I took the guy's other hand, bang, result right away. I looked at him, and I remember him looking at me quite cockily, you know, that's how he smelled his face. But I, I had to hug him, you know, it was, it was brilliant. I do it all the time. Great. So, and, and, of course, another one said to me, do you, do you speak out loud to this one, or do you simply do it in your mind? That seems like a daft question. Mm. Only when a newbie would ask you would think. So, again... I, 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 I said, I, I do it in my mind. He says, I say it loud. I think I get a better response. I tell everyone now, including, my, uh, including the patients, the clients, when they go away and they sell someone, do it in a, you know, talk it out loud and see if there's a difference. And they all come back saying, for some reason, that happens to be the case. Now, there should be, there's no sense in that. But, you know, like I said, I'm just influenced. I, I love watching nuance, pacing, leading, um, hesitating, modulation, emphasizing. You know, deepening, touching, all that kind of stuff, mm. and I feel there's a, ooh, I feel I feel there's a tremendous zeitgeist happening right now in the hypnosis world. Lots of people are trying new things and experimenting and sharing that information. And just just as you know, as you're doing right now in these post uh, these podcasts, it's it's wonderful. So you know, apart from the Ericsons and the Elmans, of course, uh, I'm you know, I, 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 it's great. We're we're continually being influenced. I feel, mm. yeah. Mm. Well, I. I love to hear, you know, because um, what I love about one of the things you just said there is that there's a lot of humility involved in that. Because I think that sometimes within this field and sometimes within a number of uh, um, other kind of related fields, there's almost like this kind of presupposed hierarchy of experience and knowledge and understanding. And I love the fact that you're so impressed and so, so humble in the face of people that that are new to the field. Um, that's really lovely and refreshing to hear as far as I'm concerned. Um, um, tell, me, um, tell me, Bob, about, about some of the more impressive applications of hypnosis that you've witnessed, either in therapy or, or, or in, with, with some of the performance stuff that you've done. Um, um, what's something that's really impressed you as far as hypnosis is concerned? Well, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a great question. Um, and sometimes it comes in, it comes it comes in disguise. Mm. Seeing something impressive. I remember what I remember working with a guy, uh, Anthony Jockwood knows this fellow, Mark Davies. Mark is a hypnotist based in Wales right now. He used to be in Portsmouth, and I used to go down. He and I on a Saturday night walking into a pub. We sit looking at each other. And one of us would pretend to hypnotise the other to be built a crowd. Mm. Good skills of uh, street hypnotists. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then we started. We'd start zapping them. You know. And I was having a time in my life one, one evening. I was, I was just going through a purple patch, you know. And I saw Mark with this six-foot-four-inch rocker up against the pinball machine. <laughs> and nothing could happen at all. But he did something wonderful. He decided to do a whole relaxer therapy thing with him. Close your eyes. 
see yourself on top of a hill. And they, in one by one, and two by two, and four by four, and eight by eight, they, they, they surrounded Mark. And he did something like a 35-minute thing with the guy, <laughs> taking him for a walk. And then one, two, wide awake, the guy opened his eyes and he said, how long do you think that was? And the guy says, ah, about 10 minutes. Mark says, and I think he says something like, that was exactly 54 minutes. And the guy goes, oh, that's an impressive application of hypnosis. And yeah. I don't care what anybody says, although it was a relaxotherapy protocol, if you like, mm. I slid into hypnosis. I mean, I watched Tim Box and Zoe Clues. I don't know if you saw just the other time. Uh, they've got a clip uh, a couple of weeks ago, mm. taking a ring from a diamond, diamond dealer. Uh, and of course, there's right. Anthony Jacqueline's TV stint. Yeah. Uh, and of course, he was on the TV doing his thing, which I thought was absolutely wonderful. He did that thing with the cucumbers, didn't he? I mean, all of these things are, are impressive applications. I mean, I've taken the takings from Till and other items, but the, the main thing for me was watching the recipient of my hypnosis and knowing they were there, if that makes sense. Yeah. I love to know that they're actually there. And as you do, when you, you know, when you invite them to kick you in the balls for a thousand pounds and they can't, it's a pretty impressive application of hypnosis, right there, yeah. yeah? Mm. And one hell of a convincer as well, by the way. Yeah. When you say when you say um, to to know that they're there, do you mean to know that they're responsive? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 you enjoy and you enjoy the kind of process of testing that responsiveness. Yes, of course I do, and yeah. I and I do that I do that in the therapy room as well. I'll, yeah. I'll use convincers. I use tests. Always, always, always. I do that in the initial consultation. Yeah. But the main the main the main application of hypnosis for me. Uh, has got to be, of course. It's, it's, it's just wonderful to watch yeah. pain leaving a body. So I have I do one day a week. I've been doing it for years upon years. I don't charge. I've got a pain day. They come along for that. And it's just fantastic to right. just yeah. some, arrive in agony and they're now smiling at you. Does it work all the time? Absolutely not. Or the world would know about me by now. But when it happens, it's just absolutely lovely. Mm. You know? mm. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, 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 there's a wide range of really impressive stuff there. The, um, the, the, I, I will add the link, by the way, to the radio show that you did with the mind reading. Um, yeah. um, I, I will add the link to that, to this particular episode, because um, I went and listened to that when you, um, when you flagged it up to me a couple of weeks ago. And I loved it. I loved yeah. it. Absolutely. And um, do go and listen to that, those of, you, those of you tuning in to this particular episode. I'll put a link to it. Um, um, Bob, if you could go back to when you started out in this field, um, and when you started out sort of wanting to do this and, and, and engage with this field professionally, that is, you know, knowing, knowing the stuff that you know now today, is there anything you'd do differently? If so, um, um, or, or even if not, is there any advice that you'd give to the, to, to the younger you that you'd then extend to the advice uh, and give advice to hypnosis professionals and hypnotherapists of today? Well, if I went back when I when I started out, um, well, it's a couple of questions in there. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think uh, actually I would have had more fun. I would have probably done more stage work. Right. I've done, I've done stage hypnosis, but I would have done more. I, I never knew it was dying, so I thought it was always there. You know, it's it's not it's not as active as it should be in the UK. So I would have toured more around Europe. As far as is uh, changing what I would have done in the therapy room. If I were to have done something differently than it, uh, well, if I if I did anything differently, I wouldn't have known the path that I know now. Yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah, and that would be a tragedy. So apart from a, a few tweaks, I think I've been very lucky, and I and I know that I'm highly honoured doing what I do. So I'm, you know, I'm I'm truly extremely grateful to where I'm uh, right now. But um, as far as uh, giving advice to the person today or, or other people, yeah, um, yeah, tons of stuff. Probably a lot more than we've got time for for adding, but. You know, when I'm either mentoring or doing workshops, 
I actually tell the person or the people I'm working with that it's that that's almost what I'm doing. I'm talking to a younger me, or if you like, uh, mm. I, I like to pretend that I'm talking to my best friend. And I tell them that when I'm doing workshops, I'm going to treat you as my best friend over this next one or two days. Now, in my experience, both in workshops and in mentoring, the three things I get more than anything uh, is number one, the, the the theorist who's read far too many texts, far too highly certificated. You know, they spent thousands on courses. Mm. But not enough hands-on experience. Sure. Or, or there's the other one. He's great. He's got you know balls of fire. He or she, they're fantastic. They're great in the field, but they've had no real training from a decent coach or mentor, mm. which for me is imperative. And uh, and of course the third one is because of that too. Because of one of that too, they are inert. They suffer. You know, they yeah. suffer from inertia. Yeah. So many severely lack confidence. It's it's amazing. Like a lot of really skilled therapists, they come to spend a couple of days with me. And I say, what else? And they say, well, I'm, I'm actually, I lack confidence. And uh, so in my mentoring, I'm told that constantly from experienced therapists, so my advice is, you know, practice what you know. You know, you know Adam, uh, in magic, and there's a saying that an amateur knows 1,000 tricks and the professional knows six, which take him around the world. And I swear to you, that's absolutely true. Yeah, yeah. So, any, so many people in hyp hypnosis, they want to learn more and more things when if they could sharpen up two or three, I heard Anthony Jackman say once, didn't he? I have one or two inductions, mainly one. Yeah. Love it. I mean, I, 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 I just love that. I love to mm. hear. It. Mm. So you know, I would, I would tell them, I suppose, to to get these these two sorted out. You know, to make sure you've you, you've 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 done the training, you've got it. You've you've you're you are well certificated, but you do have that mentor. And then I'd probably tell them to put their nose on the grindstone. And don't take it off. Keep it there until it really, really hurts. You know the old saying that a winner never quits and a quitter never wins? I think that's true. And after a while, I think, they, I, think I, I would tell them the pain will go away and they'll be totally riddled with, uh, well, well, you know, with, with know-how and activity knowledge. And these are the two things that will inspire any, anybody to act. But yeah. normally someone lacking in one of these two, either the know-how or the activity knowledge. The, these have been my, my findings, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. That's really interesting. Um... Um, I used to run a seminar with my friend um, James Brown, and um, he, he he very much emphasises, um, you know, learning to have confidence in yourself and and, and practice the skills. Um, I mean, very often um, would joke about not needing to know all the things that I would talk to everybody about. Um, um, I, I, and, and speaking of which, um, tell us a little bit. You know, what are your thoughts? What's your stance as far as an evidence-based approach to hypnosis is concerned, Bob? Oh dear, Adam, um, I feel a headache coming on. <laughs> it's, uh, couldn't we start with something simple like dark matter, then move into that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like that song from Marvin Gaye, What's Going On? Yeah. Uh, I think, well, first of all, before you move to, I mean, evidence-based approaches is mainly linked to medicine before it came to hypnosis, yeah. You know, in the world of medicine, the cat's been... Firmly up with the bag for some years now, we can now say that evidence-based medicine comes about by the publishing of positive tests, yeah? Sure. But YouTube tells us, it shows us, and we've got these great uh, whistleblowers now that, yeah, they, they've published the positive tests without publishing the negative tests and, and so on and so forth. Um, so, you know, evidence-based is, you know, it's about applying the best available research results, I suppose. Quite. But when we move it to hypnosis, that, that whole world changes, doesn't it? If we look at evidence-based hypnosis, we, I think we need to ask, you know, what's actually being tested in this, this, uh, this trinity, if you like. By that, I mean, we, you know, we've got a therapist, we've got a patient, and we've got a method, yeah? 
Mm. Now, arguably, all three of these would need to be operational and a good working order and able to form a connection. Uh, they have to dovetail, if you like. Yeah. But, you know, there's, there's lies, down lies, and stats. So, say 100 is a good stat. So, if we have 100 out of 100, that may be looked upon as a great stat, yeah? But, you know, if A does B and C gets better, always, then that would be evidence-based for me, yeah? Mm, yeah. But then we might notice that when A leaves the room and another therapist comes in and they get a far lesser result, if some vigilator was witnessing this, they might well be accused for believing that this thing called hypnosis is not evidence-based suddenly. Yeah. By that, I mean... With hypnosis, you know, it's all about touch, it's about nuance, it's about, I mean, I, I, I saw a lady, she came to me on Friday, Judith came to me on Friday, she's 78, and she told me she got her flu job for the first time, <laughs> Christmas, she had to cancel her appointment, she apologised, and she said, I got the flu from the doctor, he's very, very good, I said, I've never had a flu job before, he says, go on, I'll just make sure though, at your age, you can't take a chance, she says, so I'll let him inject me. She's a bastard. I got the flu. I got the flu for 10 years. But he told me not to worry. It's not his fault because it's a different strain. <laughs> she said, he never even lifted my jumper or asked to look at my tongue. He knew it was a different strain. There you go. Evidence-based. Tell me all about it. You know, It's a difficult one, Adam. It really yeah, difficult. yeah. I, I I get that. I'm, I'm, I get that. You know, I have a lot of people, when I've spoken about, about, about ways in which people have attempted to um, um, isolate hypnosis and what hypnosis is within studies um, and extrapolate it from from so many of the other factors it's 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 a very often a very difficult conversation to have and and you know discussions about standardization of protocols and things like that um i'm so you know you make some very interesting very valid points certainly now then um um so bob we're going to be talking about the swan in a short while but just for now um i'm um, um, for just for the interview section tell us where can people go to learn more about your work your approach to hypnosis and so on well, uh, I have a forum called the Hypnosis Swan Forum, and most people that take the DVD, or even if they don't, it's just, just no, it's easy to access. You just con- just just contact it, and I, I let you in. Yeah. Providing someone's got some background, if it's someone called, you know, Gorgeous Georgina, yeah. and there's nothing there in our Facebook thing, I'm not going to let her in. I know that's a Russian guy who fancies me, and he's not. <laughs> so the hypnosis, it's the Hypnosis Swan Forum. You can get in there. And of course, I've got my own site, lifelinehypnotherapy.com, and it's mainly just to do with my work. Yeah. Anybody can contact me at any time. They can book me to go anywhere in the world and do a workshop, uh, or of course, they can come. I spend a lot of time mentoring here, here in Montrose. They come to the therapy room with me for two days, and they get to sit and watch what I do. Great, it's a right. different kind of uh, it's a different kind of mentoring. Yeah. We don't sit and we chat. We do that in the evening, but during the day, they just sit, pen and paper. They're not allowed to speak. They're not allowed to record. They can what? They can ask questions at the end of it. And I've got a whole client base who are very happy for a visiting consultant to to, to step in. Wow. Also, also uh, I should mention, uh, I was talking to Anthony Jacqueline uh, yesterday, and he's quite happy for me to mention the uh, change phenomena that's on in May the 16th this year, I think it is. Mm. And I'm, I'm going to be one of the speakers at it this year. Brilliant. So that hasn't been, you're the first one in the world to know that, Adam. Am I? Well, um, I'm, I'm a big fan of change phenomena, and yeah, well. um, um, for that reason, uh, uh, I will be promoting and plugging and talking about it a great deal in um, 
in the and, and I will be there myself, Bob, as well. So, well, um, um, yeah, it, it, it's a great event, and I'll really look forward to seeing you. And uh, we'll put a link to the Change Phenomenal yeah, website up on there as well. And anyone, and anyone can buy tickets direct from me. Isn't that wonderful? Okay, yeah. that's a lie. I don't know why. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. We'll, we will be right back with Bob Burns in a short while. I really enjoyed that. We'll be back with Bob shortly. Now then, this week, as I mentioned briefly earlier, I'm starting a new feature, and the response that it gets will determine how much we persist with such shenanigans here on this podcast. It is a fun competition. That is, there is no major prize, although there may be from time to time as it uh, endures. To frame this fun competition, I want to tell you something that made me laugh greatly. I had an ex-forces lovely man on my diploma course a number of years ago. During one of the tea breaks, I joked that the hotel we were in contained a lot of elderly people who had very different levels of inhibition than, than I had. Whilst I was in the gents' toilets, one particular octogenarian gentleman stood in the urinal beside me. He broke wind, loudly. In fact, he put effort into doing it as he exhaled dramatically afterwards. I said nothing, but uh, after uh, washing my hands and moving back into the training room, I was telling some of the students about this, having a bit of a, a laugh about it. Um, um, and uh, when we were, I mean, it happened to be a day when we were examining the Ericksonian model of hypnosis as well. And one of the witty students that I'd been speaking to suggested that I should have said the words, that's right in true Ericsson fashion after the man broke wind. I imagined what that would have been like to actually do that. That's right. And we all cracked up laughing non-stop for a long while. This week's competition then is that you send me in your answers to this. The funniest or the best ones according to me will get read out anonymously if you'd prefer and they'll get championed and we'll have some fun. Write in and tell me. Under what circumstances or situation do you think it would be funniest, or most embarrassing, or least appropriate to say the words, that's right? In an Ericksonian fashion, of course. I look forward to hearing from you on that. Now, let's have a look at this week's hypnosis in the news. This week I'm examining two stories. The first story this week is covered by a couple of media outlets in the US. Firstly, uh, the one, one article is entitled, Sex with Hypnotized Woman, Allegation Leads to Pharmacy Assistant Suspension. And the second story covering the same, uh, the, the, the second article covering the same story is State, Pharmacy Assistant Hypnotized Woman Had Sex With Her. Now this is a story, um, a woman in Washington State has accused an amateur hypnotist of sexually assaulting her while she was under hypnosis. That's according to these, they, they, they use the term under hypnosis, the pejorative term. Um, it's not my own words. Um, Kevin Geyer was charged last September of taking indecent liberties and uh, was, was a couple of weeks ago suspended from his job as a pharmacy assistant in Benson County over in the US. Um, one of the stories reported, and I'll quote, 
According to the charges, Gaya had sexual intercourse with a woman while she was under hypnosis in June 2014. Gaya is an amateur hypnotist and allegedly placed the woman under hypnosis in his home. On September 22nd, 2014, Gaya was criminally charged in Benson County Superior Court with one count of indecent liberties, a Class B felony. Now, the other news report offered a slightly different version, stating, The woman later told police she remembers Gaya performing various sex acts on her while she was incapacitated. She claimed that she was unaware of the sexual encounter and had forgotten the event until later when she had vague images of Gaia sexually assaulting her and when she confronted him, he responded by apologising. It's an unusual case and though contrary to popular belief, people cannot be forced to do things against their will with hypnosis. The Svengali image is very nearly been laid to rest. Hypnotised individuals are simply not left incapacitated. That's an exaggerated, dramatic Hollywood movie or dark gaslight era novel type notion. But it's not how the mind works. Having sex with a client is of course a violation of many ethical rules and lacks professionalism and if it was non-consensual then that's another very serious matter. But the issue in this case and what I'm interested in and in highlighting this particular point um, was that um, it's being you know it was involuntary because it occurred with the use of hypnosis, which is unlikely to convince a jury if the court consults with a respected clinical psychologist or examines the mountains of evidence that we have. In his chapter on hypnosis in the book Mind Myths, exploring popular assumptions about the mind and brain. Graham Wagstaff of the Department of Psychology at the University of Liverpool notes, and I quote, No matter what their theoretical persuasion, most modern researchers and theorists now indeed seem to reject claims that hypnosis can turn people into helpless automata, which is functioning without free will. Indeed, reports that people have unwittingly been hypnotised into committing criminal acts are not only rare but have been treated with scepticism. One of Wagstaff's studies about hypnosis in a judicial context, published in the journal uh, Legal and Criminology Psycho Criminological Psychology, states, and I quote, A significant proportion of subjects who had no experience of hypnosis were prepared to accept a plea of hypnotic automatism as an excuse for committing a crime. That is, because he was hypnotised, the defendant did not know what he was doing. However, subjects who had experienced a hypnotic induction procedure and rated themselves as having been hypnotised unanimously rejected such a plea. Since people who have actually experienced clinical hypnosis obviously have a much better idea of what hypnosis actually is phenomenologically, and more so than those who have not, the fact that they universally reject the idea that a person does not know what they're doing or has no control over themselves while hypnotised is very revealing and significant as far as I'm concerned. I think this story uh, highlights how much the media want to perpetuate the myth, how wrong the public perception can be about hypnosis and how the chasm 
you know, how big the chasm is between a proper, proper academic account of hypnosis and that public perception. Now, the second story I wanted to mention this week is entitled, I Came Close to a Sense of Peace. Marlon Brando stars in new Sundance documentary compiled from hours of his own audio tapes. Um, yes, this is about a documentary um, I'm entitled Listen to Me Marlon, which takes its name from a self-hypnosis tape recorded by the actor. The film follows Brando's own musings about his career and life and his struggles with his fame. Basically, I mention this story for two reasons. One, it mentions that the film draws upon self-hypnosis recordings, and I love self-hypnosis. Two, it's about Marlon Brando, and I love Marlon Brando. What's not to like about this story? So, links to these stories are listed under this week's podcast entry on www.hypnosis-weekly.com. Next up, we have this week's professional discussion then. Um, when I got in touch with Bob Burns, I wanted to really discuss with him this, this pioneering approach of his. that has got plenty of um, plaudits from all over the world. The Swan. As I mentioned during the discussion, I was fortunate enough to get a copy of the DVD when it was first released, courtesy of Bob. It has great production value. Um, it explains The Swan and instructs about it in very fine fashion. It's a great product. I wanted to examine how people like myself, who do not necessarily work within the same premises as some advocates of this one, could apply it. And I ask Bob some of those questions, which he responds to in excellent and very generous fashion. So here is this week's professional discussion with Bob Burns. So I'm rejoined uh, by Bob Burns now, and um, I was really excited when I when I invited Bob to come and be part of uh, um, um, Hypnosis Weekly um, for this particular episode. I was really excited, really intrigued, and really wanted to ask him and inquire about and share the information with regards to his swan. Um, very popular, has um, some very well-known fans of it, and um, really just kind of explore it a little bit. Um, Bob, first of all, just tell us a little bit how it came to be, the swan. Tell us some of the history behind it. <clears throat> yeah, well, um, it's fairly straightforward, actually. I suppose there's always a, a chance that there's always been things floating in my head about different stuff. I, I, I'm not, I don't know if that makes sense. I'm not aware of it. It could be, uh, you know, symbolically. For example, mm. I like the concept of body things wrist lift. I am, I'm, I like Barry Thien. I like some of the things he says and things he does. He's a little bit nutty like me. He does, he tries crazy things in the therapy room as I do. Mm. Uh, and, I, and I like that. I'm a great believer in the old SWSWSW. You know, some will, some won't. So what? You know, <laughs> try stuff. I, I really like that. And, and so I, I've got to say that out, out there straight away. But one, it was one Saturday morning. I was watching that uh, James, what's his name, the cooking program. My wife was upstairs, and if you can imagine me sitting there, if you're looking at me right now, you see me watching the telly on my wall, and I kind of run my fingers through my ear or something like that. My, my arm went down, my elbow just rested on, the, on the, the, the arm of the chair. And it's my memory tells it. Of course, memory is, is, is one thing for sure. It's never exact, is it? But as I, as I remember, I, I remember looking. There was my hand, kind of 
we went ballistic. I kind of hung in there, you know. Mm. And I, I happened to say something like, "Oh, you, you, you know, you're, you're looking quite pretty." Something like that. And I giggled to myself. <laughs> said, "You look like a swan." And you, would you want to talk to me? Now, when when my finger twitched, uh, I giggled because you know I I study remote response. My background's in uh, psychology uh, uh, and, and and stuff like that. That's where I'm academically trained. Hmm. So I have no problem believing that it's a part of me inside me that just tweaked my finger. It was actually me that did it. And when I asked it to do it again and decided not to do it and I did it again, that made me giggle even more because I'm, I've never been the greatest hypnotee or I am higher in the world. Hmm. Uh, so then I said, this is really interesting. Do you think you could, uh, if, you, if you're really there, if there's something really there, and I started giggling to myself, you, maybe you might want to turn around and say hello. Now when my hand turned around and looked at me, it was a, it was a, it was a strange feeling because uh, I was watching my map change, yeah? Mm. I was watching my map change and a couple grand go down the tubes as well because this is not what happens. And then I said, well, what about it? You want to, you want to push this? You want to give me a wave? And when my hand waved, that's when I started screaming, Lee, for my wife to come downstairs. And I said, watch this. Absolutely believe him because I'm quite pessimistic. There's no way this is going to work again. Mm. And, of course, it worked perfectly. And now my wife who knows me knows that I wasn't acting. So it was a case what to do with this. I decided to take it into the therapy room, and after doing it a couple of times, I then went online onto a forum and told some people about it, and the whole world called me a total cock, to be honest. I mean, what, what, you know, some people were, were quite nice about it, but mainly I got absolutely slated for it. Mm. And I went ahead anyway and, and did the DVD, and off it went. And then people tried it, and then they come back and said, shit. This, I mean, there's a lovely saying from uh, John Chase, bless him. He put up a DVD in, on one of his uh, courses, and he was sitting at the back, I think with Tim Box, pretending to do the swan. <laughs> and he says, when my arm turned on and looked at me, he says, I said to Tim Box, shit, this stuff actually works. You know? <laughs> <Which> is, <laughs> so basically, that's what happened. It, just, it, was, in a, it was in a five-minute thing. It just, it just, boom, it just happened like that. No thought, watching a cooking program, and it kind of just happened like that. Interesting, interesting. So, yeah. so for people... Um, I probably should have asked you this first of all. Um, tell me, what, what is it? What, what, when we talk about the swan, what, what is it? I mean, just in real kind of basic terms, first of all, in actual practical physiological terms, um, um, what are we talking about? When I'm talking about, when, when I refer to the swan and your, your pioneering approach of the swan, um, what, what, what is it? What does that mean? Okay, we, well, we can start from the beginning by saying that I don't know. And that will save a lot of time in the wilderness. Uh, so, but most people in the early days, like I said, they would argue about whether it was hypnosis or another IMR. That was that was the main two. Mm. So the good thing about I think the good thing about my arguments is that I don't argue about what I think. Rather, I tell people what my findings are and what people report back to me, because now you know it, it operates in, in at least as I know fifty three countries around the world, because that's my, where my communication comes from. And I love to hear the stories that they tell me. Them mm. telling me what they believe that it, it, it is or what it might be. So for me, for me, this one is not hypnosis, mm. although it can be. I'm quite happy. I had, again, I had a guy today, an absolute natural, did this one. His arm turned and looked and bang. He just went. I didn't even see anything. But, it, you, but know, you, you call it the swan because the hand, the hand is held in a position yeah. that, that, that resembles a swan. Just like if you were imitating a swan to a child, that's exactly what that, that shape would be. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, you're yeah. leaning on something. You're leaning on the on a table or an armchair. Your elbows on that. Yeah. 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 So facing, facing out. Yeah. 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 And and then 
um, and, and then it's used as a as, as a means of communication and or a signal and and a number of different and, and has a number of different ways in which you know you you teach to to how to utilize it. Yeah, it can go it can go anywhere. Uh, it, it can it, you can as I I'm not sure what the limits there will be limits of course, but I'm not sure where they are. I mean, me me personally, I think it's great when something happens to you. Yeah, it's mm. your story. And no one's really interested because they've all got their stories, yeah? yeah. It's, just, it's, yeah. Just, it's your miracle, it's no one else's. But uh, a year past December, I had severe sciatica. I get it maybe twice a year. And I was, I was doing a talk. It was a Saturday morning at 10 o'clock. And at 10 to 10, I was outside the place, almost in tears in my car. Almost in tears. Mm. So I told, I, I told the, the people there, just, I'll be in in five minutes. And I started walking. I put my hand in the, side, in the shape of a swan. And I started to talk t to my hand. Look, I'm in absolute bloody agony, and uh, I'm not going to be going into him. Is there anything you can do? My, my hand waved. Yeah. I said, could you, could you help with the pain? Yeah. Could you take it away? Yeah. Could you take it away? No. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to turn back and walk back to the place. When you've done that, give me a, a nod and let me know you've done it. Okay. I go back to the place. As I get to the door, my hand kind of shudders. And, 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 I, and I look at my hand, and I say, well, that's okay, but I'm still in pit. And as I get the pit, I realize I have no pain. Mm. And I am not a good hypnotist at all. But by the way, uh, Adam, that's, it would be good for somebody to, you know, if someone's selling their stuff, they would tell a story such as that. But, you know, I've got dozens upon dozens of stories like that with other people who self-swan or with their clients tell them these, these stories. Mm. So what is that? What is that? Is that hypnosis? Is that an IMR? What is it? We could argue about that. Well, the, um, I'm, I'm also interested um, in the self-application. I mean, the, the self-application makes it, you know, makes it not just a, a therapist's tool, but makes it, you know, a, a something that's accessible to everybody on the planet. Um, um, so, so it's it's absolutely applicable and can be used in a self-directed fashion as well. Then. Oh, Adam, this is the, I mean, this is this is the biggie. This is the bit that really that really tickles me. I mean, there's no there's nothing special about Bob Burns doing this thing. This is a, this one's just a pebble that I found. It's mm. just a pebble, and I've said to somebody else, "Hey, have you seen this? That's all it is." There was no active thought behind it. There was no no genius at all. I just discovered this thing. They probably maybe they're doing this in South America in some jungle or something. <laughs> I just discovered this thing. But what I have discovered is that after I do this one with somebody, let's say in pain or whatever it is, so it, it could be anything, it could be anxiety. I then say to them, look at your hand and you talk to it exactly the way I have. They're quite inhibited about that. Mm. I talk them through it and they ask their hand to turn. The hand turns for them. The smile, the wonder on their face is just beautiful. Mm. Then they go away. Then they come back and they tell me and all the other therapists that, you know, I just self-swanned and, and it happened. It went away and the or my anxiety lifted, or I, or I did the talk, or I went into the swimming pool, or I, or I clapped the dog, and so on and so forth. Mm. So, and, and again, does it happen 100% of the time? Absolutely not. We're back to nuance, we're back to, there is an art in delivering it, there is a skill, there's no doubt about that. And uh, we're back to this SWSWSW thing again. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. some want. And uh, I, I have a, I have a, I, I posted this in a forum a couple of weeks ago. I have a, a daughter, one, my middle daughter, who is in a back pain, and I can't hypnotize her, and she doesn't swan at all. So, so you know, there you go. It's mm -hmm. the cobbler whose kids are running about bare feet, you know. <laughs> but, but my wife, guess what? I, 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 I said to her at this time, this is about a month ago, I said, I'm going to go into the kitchen to put some tea on. So I asked my, my Mrs. Lee, I said, you do the swan with her. Lee's never done the swan with anyone before in her life. They both felt inhibited. I said, do it for a bit of fun. And as I put on the kettle, I could hear the laughter with yeah. my daughter's bloody arm turning. 
to really tell me. <laughs> I mean, of course, I mean, and, and I guess, I'm guessing here, but I guess a lot of psychologists would hardly believe me or go with me when I say that to my daughter, I'm not the, the hypnotic man, I'm dad. Yeah, of course. You know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, even very even then, that's one, that's one should have worked, but it never, but, ah, you know, we went mm. some, we some. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, one of the things I'm interested in, um, you know, for, from, a, from a personal perspective, as well as a professional one, is, um, you know, I, I, I know that um, you, you, you even question this um, um, wonderfully yourself on the website, um, on your website, and that is that, you know, the swan is often referred to as a direct path to the subconscious, for example. For somebody like me, um, a, 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 a philistine, um, as far as subconscious and conscious model is concerned, um, um, you know, can it be described or, or discussed in, in terms that, that don't require a conscious subconscious model to be inherent? Yes. Um, I'm going to go there. I've come on your program, we're doing a podcast, and I'm not going to step back. But this is where it becomes challenging for many people. And I get that, I understand that completely. Before I answer the question, Adam, if I could just say this. Yeah, please. In the Western world, yeah, so I've got someone's hearing voices. We send them to a psychiatrist who tells them they've got borderline multi-personality disorder, yeah? Yeah. In the Middle and Far East, that doesn't happen so often. They tell them they're possessed. But they don't tell them they're possessed like the devil. They mean, hey, it's your grandma. It's Uncle Fred, (laughs) yeah? And that's been going on for tens of thousands of years. So I never make any claims. Rather, I leave it open. So when that hand turns, and when I ask that hand to speak, when when that finger moves and I say, would you like to talk to me? And it says, yes. I invite it to speak through the mouth. Now, when I've got direct voice, and I say, by the way, I've said the subconscious. Are you the subconscious? A lot of the time, I'll hear, yes, I'm the subconscious. Fine, we move on. Or, are you the subconscious? No, I'm not the subconscious. Now, here's the answers that we get. The answers we get, I'm Grandad, I'm Uncle Fred, I'm their brother from three lives ago, I'm Yuba from the planet Scuba, I'm this, I'm that, I'm an energy from, you know, it goes on. But I'm a therapist, and I'll take whatever I get, and I'll work with it. Is that okay? Yeah. So there's lots of rumors. There's lo- lots of rumors out there that I'm somebody running about with a voodoo stick. I am, but that's pure coincidence. It's just a lucky guess. <laughs> but you know, so we go with what we get. But yeah. when I get, when I get, when I get a part within the subconscious that claims to be the person, that claims to be them in a past life, and I've done past life regression, and a lot of it is just imagination. I, I know I'm, I'm okay with that. But many have made me think when I get somebody that says they're in a past life. And they were, let's say, Italian. And I asked them to speak Italian to me. And they speak Italian to me, fluently. And I asked them later, do you speak Italian? And they tell me no. I have to ask myself this question. Why would this man take a 500-mile flight, give me 120 quid, and pretend that he's in hypnosis or that he's handstanding, and lie to me that he speaks Italian? Why would he do that? Now, I know the psychiatrist can step in and say, because he's insane. Or because he's got this challenge. I get that. But I get I get a fair bit of that, and and and, and I have to say this is this is a really important one. I was talking with Barry Thien, and Barry Thien says I don't get that, and I said I do get that. So Barry Thien Barry Thien had a theory on it, and he says maybe it's what you expect to get, are based on your uh, assumption of how the world and people work, and and, and although I get that. And, that, and although that might be true, my, my question to Barry would have been, yeah, but how do they know that that's my assumption? 
of how the world works. Yeah. Mm. Mm. And that's yeah. when I kind of you know it's it's just out there for anyone to to talk. Yeah. But there's many who want to completely, absolutely destroy me, and take the piss out of me. I understand that. I get that completely. I used to be them. You know, mm. it's it's funny how it works. Mm. Uh, I mean. T- t- tell, tell me a little bit. What, what kind of issues have, have you been working on this? I mean, is it just anything and everything, or is there is, are, are there some issues that tend to lend themselves well to this process, or, or better than others? Well, I, th- I think I should start off by saying that uh, I'm very comfortable to tell people that apart from somebody who wants to stop fags or or, or lose weight, uh, nearly everything I treat is anxiety. Right. Yeah. I, I think that's what we do. We treat anxiety. Yeah. I think that is the human condition. And it's either at 10 or it's at 1 or it's somewhere in between. And it's things linked to the anxiety. Adjectives and nouns are linked to anxiety. Yeah. It's just anxiety. But yeah, just about anything. Suicidals. Uh, um, I mean, I mean if, you t- if you can take a child's arm, uh, Adam, who's terrified of dogs, let's say, place it in the shape of the swan and say to that child, watch. And then talk to that hand and watch them smile and giggle as the swan tweaks, twitches and turns to them. And in the, in the mother to maybe get emotional. It is an amazing experience. Mm. An amazing experience. And of course, when they then turn around and look at you, the therapist is going to say, oh my God, you're ama- you know that you're not amazing. It's something that's happening. And you don't know any more than them now. You've not brought them up to your level. <laughs> right? that's, just, that's, about as much, that's about as far as it goes. Yeah. And even when you tell them that, they don't believe you. Mm. <laughs> they think you have some more hidden knowledge somewhere. Mm. But so it's, a, it's an amazing thing to watch. But yes, I've used it for just about everything to stop smoking uh, anxieties uh, and I said some some really some really 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 heavy ones that are that are out there I got a, I must I must tell you this one if you can if you can try and be, and if the listener can hear this I'm sure hypnotists have simply done this but this was a, a swan protocol with a guy who couldn't leave his house yeah mm. he couldn't leave his house he's married uh, he could leave his house so he could go to his workstation he had a great boss who would put them into the workstation and let him work there and come home. No one would talk to him. And I asked him if he had any things he wanted in life. And he said, yes, I'd like to buy a stamp. I would love to go to the post office and get a stamp. That was his thing right now, mm. to get a stamp. Now, there's a big story in this that I'm not going into, but I'll just tell you this. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was at the marketplace in Montrose. It's a Saturday marketplace. And I heard this guy talking through a microphone as he was demonstrating uh, chefing, yeah? Mm doing some cooking. You're probably ahead of me by now, yeah? <laughs> as I look, there's a guy, and as he was talking, and I'll tell you, I'm, I truthfully tell you I'm going to get emotional even telling you the story right now. I can feel it friggin' welling up in me. <laughs> as he was talking, he glanced up and he saw me in the crowd and he stopped talking to the crowd and he put his knife down and he just looked at me and through the microphone and he said, hey Bob, look at me. And I felt, jeez, I felt eyes going in. And he got emotional and then he turned back to the crowd and said, never mind, just like an old, just an old buddy, and carried working. That was a one Brilliant. treatment. That was a one treatment with a floppy hand on the side of his armchair. One treatment, that was it. <laughs> Second treatment, he phoned me up to say, I don't think I need to bother seeing you. I've been out to the pub with my mates and it's great. And that's phenomenal. And that had nothing to do with me, I swear to you. <laughs> and that's not being modest. It had nothing to do with me. I think that's us. I think it's us and what we can do. Mm. Mm. I mean, that, that's... Um, um, I love hearing that kind of stuff, and I love hearing about those kind of um, those kind of applications and those kind of stories. Um, um, you know, brilliant as far as I'm concerned. Um, um, 
And so um, if people want to learn more about this, then, Bob, the best place to go and get themselves a copy is um, from your online shop. Is that yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. if yeah. you went to lifelinehypnotherapy.com and uh, they just go in there, uh, book it there, pay through PayPal, I send it off to them. And uh, I also I send it off and I can, I'll, I'll sign it for them. Or they can have a photograph of me in a gorilla suit that I bought three months ago. <laughs> Oh, I want one of those. I want one of those photographs. I'm wearing it right now. I'll tell you what, Adam. When this started, I was wearing a kilt for the first half of this. <laughs> it's got bloody freezing, so I've slipped on the gorilla suit, and it's just... I don't have a head on, or it would be all muffly. So. <laughs> Um, 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 you know, I was I was lucky enough to be one of the people that got a copy of the Swan um, um, when you when you, when you first um, when you first put it out there, um, and and it's great. You know, for those of you listening and tuning in today, um, um, it's it's fascinating stuff. Go grab a copy. Um, Bob, we're out of time today. Um, my sincere, heartfelt thanks for joining me today and um, and sharing so so much information and, and useful stuff with everybody listening. All right, it's been great. It's been uh, great chatting to you. We'll catch you again. Look forward to seeing you sometime in May, okay? Yeah, I look forward to that. Thanks very much, okay, Paul Burns. Take care. thoroughly enjoyed that discussion some fascinating information there a link to Bob's personal website and some of the clips and sites mentioned in that discussion are there at the hypnosis weekly website so this week's hypnosis fact of the week the vast majority of people that I encounter with a moderate amount of knowledge about hypnotherapy tend to think that hypnotherapy is first and foremost a great way to stop smoking they think of it as the best application of hypnosis. It seems to be one of the best known as a stop smoking remedy to many people. My exploration of the evidence available combined with my own clinical experience over the past 18 years leads me and many of my colleagues to believe that hypnotherapy is brilliant for dealing with pain, overcoming anxiety, enhancing sleep, many other applications, but perhaps stopping smoking is a more advanced and potentially tougher challenge altogether. There are many hypnotherapists making impressive claims out there regarding hypnotherapy and stopping smoking, and an equal number of hypnotherapists quoting research for the efficacy of hypnosis for stopping smoking, so I thought I'd examine the evidence for many of those claims. Some hypnotherapists claim to have a 95% success rate with stop smoking clients. This is very naughty of them. The ASA, the Advertising Standards Authority here in the UK, outlaws the, the pronouncement of that to some extent these days. I mean, how do you measure that? How do you come up with that figure? Have you empirically followed up every single stop smoking client in a neutral and objective, even scientific fashion? And what was the follow-up period? Was it a couple of weeks, six months, a year, two years? What constitutes successfully stopping smoking? Since the ASA started clamping down on people making such claims, many hypnotherapists went on to refer to the 1964 study by von Dedenroth. It was conducted in 1964, published in the American Journal of Clinical Hypnosis in 1968, who made these claims of a 94% success rate. Some therapists, as a, as a means of trying to get round the ASA prohibition on, on making claims about percentage success rates, have claimed, therefore, to have 
comparatively, um, comparatively or comparably high success rates to the von Dedenroth study. And there are many others that use this study in their marketing literature if you Google it. The issue with using this particular piece of research to promote hypnotherapy is that when you examine this study, there is no experimental evidence reported to support the claims made within this study. If any diligent member of the public were to examine this, they'd find the same, and it is the this kind of tiresome presentation of unreliable research used for the sole purposes of marketing that I think we could do without in this field. Later on in 1974, Hunt and Bespalek put together a study comparing half a dozen methods of stopping smoking. They investigated aversive conditioning, drug therapy, education, group support, hypnosis, behavior modification, and miscellaneous, including self-control, role-playing, and combination of treatments. It was their conclusion that hypnosis perhaps gives us our best results, and which is marvellous news for us in the hypnotherapy field, though they did record success rates that varied between 15 and 80%. Important, actual studies involving proper control groups and more rigorous testing, including those conducted by Barclay, Hastings and Jackson in 1977, McHovick and Mann in 78, Pedersen, Scrigmore, in 75, only tended to demonstrate success rates of between 0 and 50%, which, however, is still often tends to be better than nicotine replacement, for example. Racing to our rescue then in the early 1990s, as featured in the New Scientist and referred to by many people in this field, was published a study by Viviswaran and Schmidt in 92, who had conducted a meta-analysis on 633 studies of smoking cessation, which included a whopping 48 studies in the hypnosis category which they investigated. This also had a total number of 6,020 participants, which is impressive for a hypnosis study. Study. Hypnosis did prove to be better and more effective than just about every other treatment it was compared to, including nicotine replacement therapy and aversion techniques. Yet it still only really offered up a success rate far, far inferior to that of the von Dedenroth study. The most impressive and seemingly thorough review in existence today appears to be that from the year 2000 conducted by Green and Lynn. In it, they examined 59 stop-smoking studies and drew the conclusion that when measured against Chambliss and Holland's 1998 criteria of evaluation for the empirical support of diverse psychotherapies, hypnosis was a possibly efficacious treatment. They added that hypnotic interventions appeared to be more effective than no treatment or waiting list control conditions. The Green and Lynn study stated that evidence supporting the notion that hypnosis is more effective than a placebo is mixed. Now, hypnosis is indeed a better choice than many stop smoking techniques or, or alternatives, and it's fairly brief, even if the evidence does suggest that more, more sessions are better than one single one. So why on earth so many continue to offer single session hypnosis um, for stop smoking? Um, um, defies logic really. So the fact of the week, if you separate my rant from the actual fact, is that there is no evidence to support a 95% success rate in stopping smoking using hypnosis. It's currently fantasy to suggest as much according to the real evidence. 
In our next edition, I'll be welcoming Mr. Michael Perez. I interview him and we'll be examining some really fascinating concepts and approaches that I think you're going to really love. I have many more exciting guests that will welcome to Hypnosis Weekly in the future too. We'll be discussing, debating, celebrating, and above all, remaining friends. To repeat, references made in the discussions along with related links are posted at each episode on the Hypnosis Weekly website, www.hypnosis-weekly.com. I absolutely welcome your thoughts, comments, suggestions, questions, so please do message me or add them on the Hypnosis Weekly website and I'll make sure they're addressed, answered and explored accordingly. And do send in your entries for this week's fun competition. Please do share this podcast on Facebook, Twitter and anywhere else and really help us reach the hypnosis field. My thanks go to Bob Burns. My thanks to you for tuning in. My name is Adam Eason. This has been Hypnosis Weekly. Until next time, goodbye for now.